When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18. I'm Franny Benali, and you're listening to In That Number. And then they lift one over the top for Danny Ings. He's in the box. Oh, to his left foot. It's brilliant. Oh, it's a fantastic goal for Danny Ings. He's done it again. Here comes Ward Browse. Oh, it's fantastic. Thanks for checking out In That Number with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, In That Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcasts at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number, episode 96, The Empire Strikes Back. This week, we will be discussing events from this afternoon's visit of Manchester United and preview next week's trip up the road to the Amex, where we face right of... Um, but first, my co-host, the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton. How are you, Kevin? I'm grand, thank you very much. Good. That's it. Well, you are a darling noble, fascist, reactionary, squalid little know your place. Don't rise above yourself. Don't get out of your hole, complacent little turd. <laughs> Thanks very much again, Kevin. Um, but yeah, how have you been anyway? Yeah, work as intense as ever. Um, weather average for this time of year and location. Um, just, yeah, looking forward to the year being over and being able to have a little bit of time off. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, and, of course, we have Tim Bizance. Tim, Tim, happy Thanksgiving. But happy belated Thanksgiving to you and your family. I hope you've had a splendid week. Yeah, I'm, I feel fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mate, I, we've all seen those push-ups that you've been doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, but... I still, you still, calories don't count on Thanksgiving. That's kind of the, my unwritten rule. So between that and the pumpkin pie that they gave us from Premier League in USA along with the, the meat pies, oh, that's a lot of calories. Punched all together. How was that pie, by the way? Uh, meat pies were, it's like a, I think it's kind of like a pot pie version. They could have used some vegetables in there, but no. I just at, <laughs> no, nah, it's, <laughs> vegetables are good for you. I would, I, it was, it was good. Uh, Abby told me not to eat too much of it, otherwise he said you'll be, you'll feel even more fat than you already are now. <laughs> so. Yeah. It's, it's alright, you got weak looks, it's fine. They yeah. look like the kind of pies that you get at the Terra. Good old classic. 
Yeah. Anyway, uh, I went to the library the other day, um, and I asked if they had any books on pantomimes. Uh, she said, they're behind you. Uh, <laughs> do you say, oh, no, then, no. <laughs> yeah, tough crowd. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tim, do you have a teaser for us this week? So, for one month, would you rather eat only spicy food or bland food? Spicy. Yeah, I I, I fucked up spicy food anyway, so yeah, it's a no-brainer. I I do eat, and I do enjoy a nice spicy curry, but for a month, Kev. Yeah, fine. Yeah, I'd probably go with the spicy too, but after a couple of days, it would be a little bit intense, but a month, I don't know. I'd probably do it just because bland is just... Well, it's bland, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the food's quite bland here. Like, they're not big fans of spicy food in Russia, so I'm always looking for ways to um, inject a bit more spice into it. So, yeah, you've kind of solved the problem for me. Okay, we're, we're both going to go spicy. What would you go with? Uh, I'm going to go with bland, because you can throw anything on it at that point to make it uh, to make it spicier or taste better. Obviously, the food is just going to be the substance at that point, and you're going to be tasting the, the condiments or the flavor. So you can do it, you know, ranging from... Uh, salsa to mustards or whatever it might be, uh, fruit, you know, you can provide some kind of sweetness. It'll, it'll make it a little bit better because my intestines could not take spicy food for a month straight. I would, uh, <laughs> I, I would not make the missus very happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. If you can add to it, then I probably would. Yeah, if condiments bland. don't count. Yeah, then I'll take yeah. the bland. Yeah, I'll still take spicy and then just put sugar on it if uh, needs be. <laughs> Okay, um, ITN News then, guys. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, the latest on fans being allowed back into St Mary's. Um, Kevin, we've been put into Tier 2. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week. I'm sure you have been, but... um, along with most of the country, they're on Tier 2, which means we'll be able to have 2,000 fans back inside. Is that correct? Yeah, as far as I know, um, which means that our next home game against Sheffield United may be the first with fans there this season. Although, a few days later, there's going to be a review, so it could be put down a tier or even put up. So it could be... um because, I mean, we went into the lockdown on, on Tier 1 and we've gone out Tier 2. So, I mean, I'm hoping it is going to go up to 4,000, which would be nice. Um, and those festive fixtures have been confirmed. We have six games around the festive period. Brighton, Arsenal, Fulham, Sheffield United, Man City, and then we see out the year uh, to West Ham. Uh, all, all of which will be broadcast live and no pay-per-view. Uh, three on Sky, three on Amazon, I believe. Uh, the Boxing Day Clash with Fulham will be on at 3pm on Sky Sports. So that is Brighton next on Monday the 7th on Sky. That's an, that's an 8pm kickoff. 8pm kickoff, you're right, yeah, Monday night, yeah. Uh, and then Sunday the 13th, a 12pm kickoff against Sheffield United at home uh, on Sky. Wednesday the 16th will be Arsenal away, uh, 6pm kickoff, that's on Prime. Manchester City at home on the 19th, a 3pm kickoff on, uh, I think that's on Prime as well. And then Boxing Day, Fulham away, 3pm Sky. So yeah, uh, lots of uh, broadcast time's been changed because of that. D- Dan Rose of The Echo wrote an interesting article, or a good article I would say, on, on Friday on, on Ralph's ambition for this club and his desires for us to reach Europe. It, it made me feel quite happy because I, I think Ralph will only leave if he achieves those goals. You know, he, he's an ambitious guy anyway, and, and I honestly feel that he loves it here. And even if he was offered a lucrative deal at United, say, I'd like to think that he'd turn it down until he's achieved all that he can here. I truly believe that. I mean, he, he has said that there's something special about Southampton. But, of course, unless the board won't match his ambitions and he decides to leave himself, then that's fine. But, yeah, check out that article if you can. It was... um. It was, it was a nice read. Mm. Uh, Ralph has also been vocal in discussing contracts over Ings and Bertrand. Um, he has said every player who wants to extend their contract here and that we want to extend will show them that we want them, uh, that we really want them here, but we also show that we have our limits 
and I think it's very healthy for the club. So I really hope he's not talking about uh, negotiations over Ings here, because you know that there is an, if there is an offer on the table for him, and he's holding out for more, is that is that what he means about limits? It might just be money, considering the cash flow problems we've got without gate seats, and that some of them might have to, well, if not take a pay cut, maybe not get but the pay rise that they're expecting. If you're uh, currently negotiating a new contract and you're not going to take pay cuts. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult position the club's in. But yeah, I, I'm just hoping that it's not for this because Ings is obviously still, the contract's still not there. He hasn't signed it, neither is Bertrand. And it's, it's, it's a really difficult time. We all know that. There's a you know, takeover with the club, which is what I mentioned earlier about, like, I hope this is not, the takeover is not affecting anything that regarding contract renewals. Danny wants to be here, doesn't he? Of course. I mean, you don't see him going anywhere else. Is he going to warm the bench for Pep Guardiola? Or <laughs> but has, or has, the board the said to, has, has the board said to, to Ralph that we can only re-sign Danny if you offer him this? And if, if, if Danny's re- rejected it... Is, I'm just worried that this this limit thing that come up that we've only got a limit to go to and he, he's not willing to budge on. I don't, I, I'm, I'm only speculating, of course, but this is just what I read from it. it he's our star player, and if there's going to be protracted contract negotiations, you can be sure it's with him. I mean, we've seen uh, Romeo and um, yeah, Romeo and Long uh, renewing their contracts, and you know, they're, they're pretty sure that they're glad to be here for another season or two. Um, yeah, with Ings, I mean, he's in the prime of his life, so he's um, a hot property. It's going to be a bit tougher. Yeah, but you need to pay him what he wants, what he what he deserves to be paid, because he could get that money elsewhere. You need to pay it. Well, yeah, if they don't have the money, yeah, so it's going to be a, a huge gamble for him. I mean, you know what it's going to turn out like. You know, another season or so, and then I'll be left on the sidelines. Yeah, but yeah, here he's the hero. Absolutely, uh, Tim. Uh, do you have an injury report for us this week? Uh, I sure do. Okay. So Redmond was initially uh, injured either the day before or the day of the game last week. So they said seven to ten days, which leads that to be a grade one hamstring sprain. That's no tears. There's no elements that require any surgery, which is great. But the actual injury timeline of seven to ten days uh, does not include the recovery time. So looking at into Monday of next week, that gives us eight, you know, seven or eight days now for him to get back and recover, which I expect him to be back to full fitness as long as there's no any further setbacks. Ings coming up, timeline, uh, great news. It looks like he's optimistic to be either featured or on the bench. Uh, for the Brighton game on Monday, this upcoming Monday that is, uh, for, that would be a five week timeline, which is approximately the two to three weeks of the initial surgery and the recovery from that, and then two to three weeks to get back into full fitness. So that's very optimistic. I was initially thinking it would be the six weeks, so that would be the, United, the would be the Sheffield United game on the 13th. Uh, he might see the bench. He may. Uh, I do not expect him to start. Uh, I think we should hold him out for at least one more game as well. Don't need to push him back in. But if we do sputter in any way, shape, or form, he'll be more than welcome back uh, against Sheffield United on the 13th. So we'd love to have that. Uh, small bone, nothing uh, that we are aware of, nothing that's been announced he is in a long recovery period with a significant grade two or grade three level uh, tear of or of the hamstring itself. So they're being very cautious, and over time, working him back into the actual first team may not be the best route. So that's where they'll be able to use him for the Southampton B team. And then, last but not least, the man, the myth, the legend, Salisu. No, nothing, nothing at all. No clue where he is. Uh, just not. He may. Not, he just may not be making the bench at this point. So we'll 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 go from there and find out. But if Vestergaard or somebody else has an inju- injury or ailment, definitely expect him coming up. And if he's not coming up, then something significantly still is wrong. That the club should be very more open about and let us know what's going on. Um, as for Danny Ings, um. Yeah, he's he's back in individual training, isn't he? And I, I, I mean, me and Kev had a, had a chat on text today um, about 
when he's going to be back. And you said this as well, didn't you, Kev? You said that he could be possibly on the bench for the Brighton game, yeah. um, which would be nice to see him. Um, and hopefully back for the Sheffield United one. That'd be nice for the, you know, the return of the fans, return of the king. So yeah, it would be um, it would be nice to see him back there. Yeah, I think there's, there's no rush to bring him in for for that Brighton game. I think we'll probably be able to do well without him. Um, having him as a, on the bench as an option would be nice against Sheffield United. But yeah, I think the Arsenal game, um, yeah, that's going to be a big one. And it's only a few days after the, the home game against Sheffield United. So that would make sense. Yeah. OK, then. The heartbreak of the Manchester United game at home. Going into this one. Uh, we were unbeaten in seven Premier League games, but winless in the last eight against Manchester United, drawing five and losing three. Four of the last five ending in draws. Um, United have a great record at St Mary's too, not losing in the league here since August 2003, and I remember that well. I was actually there for it. Um, I was working for it, actually. Um, Never mind, I digress. Uh, United also uh, have come from behind to beat Saints on nine occasions. Make that ten now. Um, Our home form, however, has been good, winning three on the trot. Last time we won four was May 2016, uh, but United have won their last seven away games too, never before reaching eight. They were looking to win their first four away games for the third time in their history. The last time they've done that is 1985-86. So they've done it now. Um, a score of 3-2. The 11, then I'll go for the 11. Unchanged. It's nice to say unchanged. McCarthy, Walker-Peters, Bednarik, Vestergaard, Bertrand, Armstrong, Ward-Prowse, Romeu, Gineppo, Adams, Walcott. Uh, the bench of Forster, Stevens, Long, Oberfemi, Teller, Diallo and Lundalu. Um Guys, are you happy with the unchanged 11? Yep, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what we've learned to expect from Ralph Hasenhuhn. Indeed. He's got a set lineup that he wants, and I fully expected it. There's no changes. There's no changes to the bench, even, and that sounded about right. Yep. Well, I mean, how did you see the first, like, the opening 25 minutes, Kevin? Because I thought it was all United to start with until that goal in the 22nd yeah. minute, of course, but. Yeah, I just thought United had a lot of the ball. They were creating chances. How did you see it? Um, from behind the sofa. Um, hey. Yeah, I mean, there was a, <laughs> a couple of... There's so many chances. It was all United, like you said, the first 20 minutes or so. Um, Greenwood, Rashford causing problems early on. Yeah, Vestergaard um, had a bit of a bit of a brain fart. You weren't so did McCarthy as well. I mean, he, had, <laughs> yeah. he was looking really ropey. Um, I don't know what he was thinking. Um but, yeah, Greenwood managed to um, hit it into the side netting. Mm. And then, yeah, Fernandez with a great chance. Um, oh, yeah, just went wide well. of the post, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, just wide. So, I don't know. Um, yeah, shit myself, to be honest. Um, and they got out a couple of um, corners in quick succession um, managed to clear them. And I think we sort of grew into it after that. Oh, certainly grew into it. Um, and just, a, I mean, James were perhaps picked up an early booking as well for a late challenge on Van der Beek. But, um yeah, Tim, as Kev said, it was all United the first 20 minutes, but the 22-minute mark, the goal, totally against the run of play, I thought. Um, so it, it came from a corner. It was an actual fantastic delivery from James Ward-Prowse. It caused United all sorts of problems. Yeah, it was the same set play and setup. Well, number one, that they played throughout the entire game, but two is that uh, the goal that they scored with uh, Obafemi, that put it in the last, uh, put the goal in the last, like, the 95th minute when they played him... In, during the lockdown period. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, so they just threw it in there. Uh, Ward Prowse threw a fantastic ball in, and the, just complete beauty itself. Benaric hit the flick in. Uh, if you saw where Walcott was, that's where Obafemi was when he scored the goal. So that's what triggered it to me in the setup, throwing five men up front, five big men, that is. You've got Romeo, you've got uh, Vestergaard, you've got Benaric, Walcott, and Adams. It was it was good. I I loved it. Loved every second of it. It sucked for. It was more great uh, execution on our end than it was bad defense on their end. There's just not much you can do. Having Rashford and Tellis on the near post, it was maybe a little bit criminal. That's what I was going to say, Kev. 
It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, Rashford on Bednarik there as well. It's like, what? <laughs> Surely you need to get a centre-back on him there. A big-bodied guy that knows what he's doing to defend. Surely. Did United have one of those? They've got Maguire and Lindelof. Do United have one of those? Great question still stands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I would have been, if I would have been Solskjaer, I'd have been happy sticking one of those on Bednarik. Yeah, sure. But yeah, but as Tim said, a fantastic delivery. And you can't blame the, the, the you know, De Gea for that. It was just a fantastic delivery and a fantastic little flick. Just nothing you can do about that. But well, Rashford, I suppose, could have done better. But uh, And Tim, like after the goal went in, Saints just seemed to be, well, they just picked it up. They were fantastic. It was just like, you talk about confidence. You know, Kyle Walker-Peters at the post, the ball was certainly in United's half a hell of a lot more than it was in ours. Absolutely. <laughs> With the 27-minute mark, the KWP shot, the post, it, it deflected off. I, forget if, I think it was Tellus as he yeah. almost went through. Uh, I've got on here is the 29th or 30 minute, uh, Gineppo had some twinkle toe action, like he mm. has out there sometimes in the cor- in the edge of the 18, where he's just dancing around, trying to go around Juan Visaka, which looked really good. And then, uh, on the 31st minute though, McCarthy had that big mistake <laughs> where he threw the ball straight up the front, and then he comes back through and makes three fantastic saves. So one was obviously the initial shot, two was on the, as he dove to the right, and then three was his little extra stretch with his left arm, and the elbow touched it, getting just above Bruno Fernandez to make it three fantastic saves there, and made himself look good. And he just he probably put himself in on the uh, on his fantasy Premier League team, so he wanted <laughs> those extra save points. Yeah, I think Saints were just dominating possession at that point, and I think he wanted Saints to do, to be honest. But I think Matt Markstone said it. He said it was like on his Instagram page. He said it was something. This, this just epitomises McCarthy in seven seconds. His distribution, poor, but then his shot-stopping, just top-notch, top-notch save from Fernandez. Um, and it was shades of that Dendonka shot from last week as well. And like you say, in his uh, fantasy football, just keeping his save percentage up, that's all. It was just, just no need to panic. Um, and then, you know, 32nd minute, it's just, I mean... When the ball goes down out there on the edge of the box, when Gineppo goes down for that free kick, the ball's down. James Woodpress is picking up, and again, I just thought this is a good angle for him. You know, he's going to win. This is going to go in. If unless David De Gea makes a fantastic save, this is going to go in, and he's done it again. He almost did make a fantastic save. Um, I, I, I managed to get disappointed before getting elated. Um, he does get a hand to it, doesn't it? But he does. He gets a knee to the post behind. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, which takes him out pretty much. But um, yeah, just pushing it into the side netting instead of um, pushing it back out. And oh my god, just the sheer elation. Um, and yeah, you think at half time that twat that he takes to the knee, um, take him off. You think that things are going Saints' way. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, the free kick, Tim, just superb again. Another one to add to the to the ever-growing list. And, you know, and again, from there, from being 2-0 up, it could have been more. Because Gineppo had an effort save. Well. Armstrong messed up that rebound as well. And that could, it could have been embarrassing for United at halftime. Yeah, he... De Gea definitely looked like he was injured there. He was hobbling around that entire half, and it looked good for us, you know. Uh, outside of the only thing that was really bad, what was came about was me trying to eat that meat pie. I didn't realize it was <laughs> crumbling all over my my hands when I'm trying to eat it. I got that written down in the 35th minute, but beyond that, <clears throat> we looked great. Initially, but we looked exposed, but they cleaned it up. Um, Romeo, I've just got a big old smiley face here. JWP bossing it in. And Gineppo just with his attack, but it was also his positioning has been better. Uh, I don't think his defense is fantastic, but his, but by getting in the positions, it can definitely disrupt, uh, any attack because it was very unique because they were playing a 4-2-1-2 one, yeah, two, di- whatever diamond something. shaped midfield, yeah. Yeah, a diamond shaped midfield, so the, the what width is exposed. So for us, we're just trying to figure that out and you know, what are, you know, what 
that's the only team that plays a diamond midfield and they were able to bounce around it and figure out the triangle passing through, through each of the avenues, which was great. Uh, the one thing though that did take away was the long stretch passing through the middle that where the Vestigard mm. balls can really go through. Um, that was, that was a challenge. So seeing that and having to push wide with our players was, uh, Overall, uh, we look good, but there was still an eerie feeling because United has talent. They're really good, and the second half uh, showed it. But yeah, half time, two 0 You're absolutely elated, as you said, Kev. Like possession wise, fifty three percent to their forty six. Um, the shots four to their six, three on target for us, two for them. But all, all, all stats were very close, in fact. But you know, the possession one was the key because. After the opening, the amount of the ball was in the United's half was incredible. Um, and, and taking it to them and forcing the mistakes, you know, getting those corners, getting those free kicks, getting into positions to take advantage and, and, and capitalise. United couldn't deal with it. Just getting in those niggly fouls that we seem to like to do recently to break up the play. Um, yeah, so seven fouls are given to us. Um, only one yellow card, but um, yeah, we were playing a little bit dirty, to be honest, and um, I kind of like that. <laughs> um, and then the second half, United made some changes. Of course, De Gea injured his knee when you know he tried to in vain to keep out that Prowse free kick. Dean Henderson comes on, uh, Cavani comes on for Greenwood, which turned out to be key. Uh, no change of shape whatsoever. So you haven't, got, you haven't got to change the, the plan, just keep doing what you're doing, basically. It was just like for like. Uh, and Walcott actually um, is the first to test out Henderson, has a, has a nothing shot, really. Um, but Walcott was quite quiet in this game, I thought. Other than that shot, I didn't really see anything of him. But I think for both of the halves, you see, you see him, you know, coming out like a... Um, and yeah, test, we didn't really test Henderson, did he? But... Um, got his shot on target against Henderson a couple of times beginning that second half but um, yeah I mean you say that um, they made some changes um, I think they made some changes I mean Cavani um, I kind of forgot he was a substitute you think that he'd been there the whole time you know um, wreaking havoc just I mean only a few minutes in um, getting crosses into the box and, and getting in the right places. Um, hit just before they score, managed to get one wide as well. Um, but I thought Saints started the second half like they ended the first. Really, I think they were you know on the front foot a little bit. I thought. Um, but then not United. For long, no, not it wasn't for long. And this is my question: like, what, at what point did it start to turn again? By the time Cavani gets warmed up. Maybe. <laughs> Well, actually, by the time he got warmed up, he was fucking around with his boots for a bit. But yeah, um, and once Rashford he got unlaced, yeah, yeah, uh, Rashford had a, had a shot. He had like a, you know, like a, was it one on one with Maka? But Maka saves him anyway. And it was at that point that United were getting their chances, and and there was a, a moment, Tim, where um, where Bednarik was taken out by Gineppo, and I was like, oh, for God's sake, it's just all going to start going to shit right now. <laughs> Yeah, that's in the 56th minute. He was holding his back. I didn't quite see it though. I mean, the way the way the angle came in, uh, it obviously was not in, in, intended. They just co- co- collided against each other. So, uh, seeing that, I think that was the turning point. I think that Benaric was wincing the entire rest of the game. We saw that. Uh, I saw that in the 73rd and in the 77th when they showed him. You could see him wincing. Uh, not that was the that was the turning point. Is when our main center backs are hurt or injured. We're just not going to keep keep up with their extended success when it comes to ball possession, through balls, and quality and talent while on the ball. Do you not think it was a good idea to bring Stevens on at that point? Uh, I wouldn't have, I, I just, you know, they, that's what they determined was he was able to play. Now, if it was me, you know, seeing that, if I would have saw continued wincing, Stevens would have been the guy. Uh, now that's, you know, that's, I'm not the coach. I'm not the manager. I don't want to know that. I'm not, a, I haven't, I haven't coached soccer in a long time, so it's, Whoa. it's, it's a swear so. word. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow. That's the that's your drive by for saying soccer. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's ten push ups, I think. And Kev, right. you just said it as well, so that's ten to you. Oh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, yeah, uh and then right on the hour, uh Fernandez he gets one back. He just got he just had some time in the box, didn't he? And it was it like a, a really easy pick out from Cavani and, and Fernandez was just unchallenged, Kev. Made it too easy. Yeah, he yeah, he was left with way too much space to play in and yeah, at that point, I mean the back line's looking shaky. No they're not tight enough. Um and it was pretty it's again careless um from Bertrand and Vestigard to lose the ball. They sort of gang up on um I forget who it was, but um yeah, they lose the ball there and the United run the break. Um Cavani makes a decent run, puts in a cross to Fernandez and yeah, tidy finish, but um again you just shouldn't be left with all that time and space to play in. Absolutely not. No, it's and I, you know, still at that point, I didn't think that they were going to concede another two. But you know, then Cavani had that header that had McCarthy beat, and it was just, it, it, you know, you know, you know what the stats are like against United. How they always like to come back against teams, and long, long comes on for for Gineppo, which was. Pretty much expected. I'm pretty sure that Solskjaer was expecting that too. Um, and then the equaliser, a bit, a bit lucky, I suppose. Cavani just being a pest, right place, right time. Yeah, it was just. A, I, I, I felt it was a bit of a lucky scramble through to him, Tim, for the equaliser. Yeah, it's. It just didn't look good. Like they were obviously breaking through when it comes to it. Cavani being the striker that he is, the success he's had at PSG, was able to find and break through the lines. Uh, there's nothing more to it than he's just good, and he yeah. got it. Blame McCarthy for um, punching it in the build-up, like just not getting it away far enough. No, I think like you're getting the ball no. No. thirty. You're getting the ball thirty-five yards out. You know, that, as a goalie, that's a success. So it's the break, it's the break and distribution from, uh, from the defense, from the midfield and the defense not to clear and get in position where they needed to be at. Um, for the equalizer though, where Vestigard put Cavani on, Vestigard yeah. said to drop back and play, you know, play the extra man and because he felt that he, there could have been that way. Vanderbeek was right behind where Cavani was and Cavani being the attacker he is, just came up through and put it in where Vanderbeek was just standing there. Um, yeah. It's Bertrand and Ward Prowse, he, he, he's in their zone and they just don't notice him at all. Yeah, I, it's just complacency. I, I mean, the commentary team, they build it up quite well. They said that the Saints are not the sort of team that gets tired, but maybe they did here. We, maybe we did, was, yeah. no, definitely. Yeah, it was just a Absolute com- fucking compl- complacency again. But then you could say that Diallo comes on for Armstrong the 89th minute. What, if, they're, if they're as knackered as you say they are, why does that not happen earlier? It's the same same thing every single week. Bring on these players earlier. Bring you know you've got full use of your subs. You've got a bench there. You've got some players that need need time. Diallo the, the Diallo thing. came on last week against Wolves and he, he, I thought he looked good. Give him more time. Yeah. Oh, this is the thing. I mean, you, you look at the bench and you think that um, maybe that's an indicator of how they think the game's going to go. Hassan Hootwell's packed it full of attacking options in Long, Overfamily, and Lundaloo, Teller. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, Ole's packed him through full of uh, defenders, basically. Um, so I think, well, you know, I, I can put someone on to defend the lead. Um, and, yeah, Hassan Hootwell, uh, it's... Yeah, the attacking options we've got. I mean, long in the 72nd minute, that's just... I mean, they might as well just print that on the um, match day programmes, <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, yeah, I finally came on last time with a few minutes to spare and managed to bag a winner. Why not let history repeat itself? Why not um, give it a chance? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the third goal goes in it was just I don't know it's just a good delivery Cavani there again and just oh it's 93rd minute it's it's a a sad way to lose the game especially after such a very very good first half 
Yeah, there's not much more to say, is there? Um, I I was kind of hoping that we could hold it out for a 2-2 draw because there's no way we were getting a winner. I mean, we were were lucky to get the ball in their half, let alone try and score a winner. And that would have been just a minute or two from time. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's um, revenge on their part, isn't it, for last season? A little bit. Uh, Hence the Empire Strikes Back. Um, Tim, is this typical Saints or typical United? Seeing how we gave up three goals in the second half at Austin Villa, it's starting to be a theme that we are able to push out and then not being able to hold on. So United being able to scrape by and do whatever, that's expected, that we know that. But for us to to have this to go against us, that's a problem. And if we can't be able to consistently play throughout the entire game, you know, we played a game of 40 minutes or 60 minutes here, depending on what, whatever game it might be. We need to put together a full string of games. And so this upcoming matchup against Brighton and Sheffield United, if we can get that back and get back, get back that rhythm, um, I don't, I want this to be a one-off. I don't want this to be consistent. And unfortunately, I'm scared that it could be. Mm. Yeah. I think that, that, that is typical Saints, isn't it, that we're kind of used to from the last few seasons. But for it to be typical United, that third goal has to be a penalty. Um, <laughs> I think that's pretty much right. Um, Saints had a free kick, right, at 2-2 in stoppage time. Uh, Bertrand passes it back. 18 seconds later, we're picking the ball out of our net. That's the problem. That They just they don't know how to close games out, do they? I mean, there's that stat that always seems to rear its ugly head that we have dropped the most points from winning positions, blah, blah, blah. And when it popped up, I thought to myself, hang on, that's not quite fair because we've been doing just fine lately, thank you very much. Um, You know, we're hardly in positions to drop points now. But it has happened again. West West Ham have jumped ahead of us in that stat. So, yeah, we've got 25 points. It's still not nice company to be in, though, Kevin. That's my point. (laughs) You know, and, and as I said at the, at the start of the show, we're close to getting back to St. Mary's and we start fucking losing again. And it's just like, oh, God, can I, can I opt out now? <laughs> um, is there anything else you guys want to add on this game? I'm just I'm just disappointed. Uh, it, it, I don't want this to become a central theme. We're holding on, you know, whether it be fitness or you know, just not being able to find the right rhythm. We look good for significant portions of this game. We got dominated in many more portions of the game than we did look good. Um, overall, we can't just rely on a Ward Prowse banger to be able to hit that in. Oh, man, those are so pretty, though. Uh, we need to rely <laughs> on it. It's a full team effort, and there was definitely... Uh, there was definitely some changes there that needed to be do- needed to be done, and they weren't, and we're paying the price for it now. Um, Kevin, one thing I do want to ask you, actually, you're, I mean, you mentioned last week about Gineppo that you, you were very frustrated with him. Um, what are your thoughts on him, you know, this time around? And you know, will Redmond, well, when he becomes available, does he come straight back in? Difficult question, isn't it? I mean, I was maybe a little bit more impressed with him this time, but um, I think there were a couple of occasions where he just took. One, you know, he's got all those um, flair moves in getting past defenders, mm. and then he just takes one little touch too much, and then he, he's um, at the goal line, and there's nothing he can do with it but shank it into a defender. Um, some bright that sparks. That happened on though. a couple of occasions. But no, you're definitely some bright sparks. Um, I, I thought he was much better this time around. But, uh, I mean, as the game wore on, I think... Prousey and Romano, they, they had real trouble dealing with uh, Fernandez, and as United to be fair, yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, we sort of towards the end of that that first half, we were kind of dealing with them fine, just you know getting the ball around them. But um, yeah, United start to get a bit more physical and put the pile on the pressure, and yeah, by about seventy minutes, we were just so fucking knackered that um, yeah, I, I, I was kind of expecting a, a winner to come from them. Looking at stats at the end of the game, the possession then was, it was very, very close. 50.2% in our favour to 498 Very, very close. Um, shots, 10 to 15 in their favour. Uh, five shots on target to their six. Um, this is a key stat that, 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 that got me. The clear-cut chances, zero to us, four to them. You, you take the, the, the set pieces out of this and we didn't create anything. There was that one, you know, a couple of chances that we had, you know, uh, the Shea Adams 
swivel turn shot that went wide. But other than that, we didn't really create anything other than those those set pieces. The XG was three for United and point four for us. There you go. So yeah. that's just showing where no clear where we're cut at. chances. Yeah, just nothing and there. that's where Danny Ings comes into play. We're yeah. missing him. And big, big, big this time. was the, this was an opportunity for him to make a bigger difference, and he didn't. He, he wasn't there to do I, so. And as, as fans are not going to slate Theo because of, because it's Theo Walcott, I, I just thought he was a bit a bit invisible in this game. I didn't see anything of him. And if if Danny was in the game, he would have found a way to find the ball. And that's just that's just how important that guy is. Just um, yeah, one stat that jumped out at me is that um, by the end of the match, they they'd matched us for fouls on twelve. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the stats were really pretty close, weren't they? But the fouls, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, yeah, the first half it was it was all us making the fouls, but um, yeah. Yeah. Chippy. They they definitely got more physical. Yeah. Get stuck in, yeah. Maybe that was a key as well, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Good point. Thanks. So. Um, man of the match, guys. Yeah, it's easy. It's Ward Prowse. Uh, he he's the he did, he's the only player in the team who did something amazing or exceptional or you know even highly successful, and two of his set piece balls are they are world class, which is great. It's crazy to think about in Southampton a player being truly world class, but those are and they're top. You can argue if he's the top in the world or if he's you know, but he, I'm pretty sure he's everyone would say he's top in the Premier League at this point. So it's got to be him for his assists, his consistent running and consistent play, and then uh, just one gorgeous ball over the top. So that's three for penalty kicks in the year, or I'm sorry, uh, free kicks in the year. All in all, thank you, JWP. Yep. Yeah, I, I think everything good that came out of this game came from his right foot. So he gets it for me also. And interesting to see as well on Sky Sports, Kevin, I don't know if you're watching the same broadcast, but... um. Roy Keane said that his free kicks were in the best among the best in Europe at the moment. So, and the way that he delivers a ball, so that was really nice coming from Roy Keane. Um, and yeah, that's that's nine free kicks that he's got in the Premier League now. Um, I, do you think he's gonna he's gonna catch David Beckham? Do you think? That's a big ask, isn't it? It's about eighteen, isn't it? Eighteen for Beckham, yeah. <laughs> but he's still young. He's got time on his side, and they and they win a lot of free kicks. So. Um, I'm going to have to, I mean, I don't think he had a perfect game, but I mean, just on that free kick alone, fuck me, yeah, I'm going to have to give it to Prowse as well. Woo, full house. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The long and winding road. Falmer Stadium, known for sponsorship purposes as the American Express Community Stadium. Um, okay, so we travel to the Amex on Monday night, Monday the 7th of December, 8pm kickoff, live on Sky, uh, to face off against Brighton and Hove Albion. Um, guys, they've struggled a bit this season, haven't they? They've, they've only picked up their second win last week at Villa. Um, the other coming back at the end of September against Newcastle. And both wins away from home. Losing so far at home to Chelsea, Man United, and drawing with West Brom and Burnley. Um, probably not in the position that they'd hoped they'd be in. And I actually, I think I predicted them to get relegated this season. I can't really remember. I have to look at my notes again. But yeah, I'm not so sure they will get relegated. But yeah, I think they'll be okay. But, but oh, I actually know. They, they um, beat the, uh, the guys at... Up the road, didn't they, in the in the AFL Cup? I can't say that P word, but yeah, they knocked them out of the AFL Cup, so a little bit of respect for them for that. But get Kev, what do you make of Brighton this season? Um, I'd say they're definitely in a relegation battle. Um, with that one-all draw against Liverpool, um, I mean, club is going to moan about it. Um, <laughs> I think they played well, but um, yeah, considering who they're up against, definitely lucky to come away with the point. Um, yeah, maybe they can turn it around, but I think, you know, there's five candidates for relegation this season, and Brighton are, are one of them. Um, yeah, Mopay missing a penalty. <laughs> Wank. Um, I don't know, something just um, made me incredibly happy inside seeing that. 
I wanted the keeper to do his little crying celebration in front of him. Um, bursting with talent, are they? Um, and disappointing to come away with the draw last season. Yes. Oh, yeah. We've got to be the better team. Um, is, is Welbeck going to be in, in the team? I hope so. You hope so? Well, he's not going to do anything, is he? I don't think we're going to be worried about Danny Welbeck. Um, well, no. Um, but, yeah, who are we going to be worried about then? Us. How gross. <laughs> Just us. <laughs> Um, yeah, Tim, what do you make of Brighton? Them playing Liverpool and see, I watched the entire game just because I wanted to see how how it went on Malpe. Uh, whatever he did, it was everything he did on that pitch was wrong. He missed a good chance to score. He missed a penalty kick, and then he got injured and walked off the field before his team could even get the eleventh person on. You, you, you at least if you're feeling like you're injured or you're you are injured. You walk off uh, after three minutes of the giving attention uh, from the trainers at that point. He is all attitude there, and I do not expect him to be anywhere near the squad for the next game. Uh, seeing that, they have some good talent. They have some good skill, but I don't see them as a massive threat. They are going to finish below us in the table, <laughs> knock on wood, just in case. Um <laughs> But seeing seeing all that, I I think this game is beatable, and we should be winning these games. This is the game we should go out and win. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm looking at this this game as as one that we do need to be winning. Of all the fixtures remaining in this calendar year, this is a must. I mean, this Fulham and Sheffield United, we need to take nine points out of these ones. It's it, you know, it couldn't be more after the, after the game today. Um, but going on that then, guys, I want your score predictions. Uh, Tim, you can go first on this one. 2-0 uh, Saints. Okay, yeah, I've also got 2-0 Saints, and um, yeah, Tim's not going to turn me on this one. Okay, I'm going to go 2-1. I'm going to go, uh, they're going to get a consolation, whether it be a corner, penalty, whatever. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be 2-1 Saints. So, you have three wins. I think that's the first time this season, I think. Um, Gemma, actually, is actually throwing her two cents in here. Um, she is absolutely certain of the score of this game, and she's going for nil-nil. <laughs> Just uh, going to throw that in there. Uh, Kev, maybe you should ask Marina, and um, Tim, you can ask Abby. We could have, like, a wife war. I'll give her a message. Yeah. yeah. She's just going to say she likes the seagull on the badge. But is that going to be a goal for the seagull on the badge? Good point. I'll ask Abby. 2-2. Two, two. Abby says tie. Okay, we got that. And Marina is going with... That beautiful Mrs. Mush says 3-1 Saints. Oh, I like it. I like it. I think that's about it, Tim. I think that is it for this week, yes. Yes, it is. Excellent. Thank you once again for your expertise. Happy to be here. Thank you, guys. This week we have uh, Together BHA podcast uh, host Joshua Goldsmith in our away hand my goodness, in our away end. So I'll hand you over to him right now. Hi, Josh. Welcome back to In That Number. Can you start off by uh, giving us your thoughts on Brighton's season so far? My thoughts on the season so far is that actually Albion have done a lot of good work. Uh, We are continuing to play better than our results suggest, Um, but we're starting to to put more points on 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 the tally. So... This time last year, uh, with the with the games we had played, you know, if you if you match them like for like, we're actually five points better off uh, in the last ten games than than we were last year. So I think we've made a lot of improvement. I think we're continuing to improve. Um, I think that coronavirus has uh, caused a big spanner in the works in terms of our recruitment. I think that this summer we were probably going to see a lot of outgoing and a lot of incoming. Um, and instead of that, we had uh, a lot of those those people that we were probably planning on leaving going anyway. Uh, you know, Shane Duffy to Celtic, uh, Dale Stevens to Burnley, and a couple of the others. Martin Montoya uh, has gone back to Spain. And and unfortunately, with with COVID, we we've not been willing to spend too much to to bring in you know big boy replacements. We're kind of relying on on that youth project that we've been you know put in place for 
almost a year, almost 12, 12 years now. So they're starting to finally, you know, cultivate some players and, and hopefully that will be enough to get us over the line this year. And how about your thoughts on, on Saints this year? Um, are pretty, pretty much par for the course with Saints, I feel like. Um, they are capable of beating absolutely anybody on their day. Um, they play some good football. Uh, I'm still a big fan of James Ward Prowse. Um, and, you know, I think that they're gonna go, they'll be safe, of course, no worries there. Um, and I think it's just a case of, will you go far enough, fast enough to, to make a, a European spot or will you, uh, you know, remain inconsistent and, and just have to settle for that mid-table mediocrity that, that you have done for the last couple of years? Um, Danny Ings obviously was a superb signing, but he's been injured for a little bit. Uh, I do hear he's coming back for the Albion game, but yeah, I think Saints are, are doing pretty well. Um, so, you know, it feels like they are pretty, con- they're consistently inconsistent. How do you see the game going this time? You know, we've actually just started getting into a nice bit of form. Uh, a draw with Liverpool this weekend was huge, as you, as you can imagine. Um, and then of course we beat Villa at Villa last week as well. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm recording this just after uh, the Saints Manchester United game so you know Saints threw away a two-goal lead albeit against obviously you know one of the better sides in the league um, so to me I think it's all to play for like I said before Saints can win uh, a lot of you know a lot of games they shouldn't technically win uh, and lose games that they shouldn't be losing as well so I think it's all to play for um, the games are usually pretty entertaining between the two sides and I think it's going to be you know another one of those close run games so it will be interesting uh, to see what what uh, what ends up happening on the day. Predicted Brighton eleven. Uh, it's <laughs> it's almost impossible these days with um, with Graham Potter. Uh, I think it's probably going to be the same eleven as we played this week. Um, but Tarek Lamptey will absolutely come back into the side, of course, to replace Joel Veltman, who I thought was excellent this weekend anyway. But Tarek Lamptey is you know a, a class above. Um, Adam Lalana will come back if he's fit. Uh, it sounds like he had uh, a couple of issues with illness this week, so he didn't play against Liverpool. Um, and he only, you know, he came on for like eight minutes and then immediately disappeared down the tunnel at a sprint. So he must have been pretty ill. Um, so yeah, I, I think that we will probably see Lalana in. Um, I, I don't know if Mopai will play. Uh, he went off injured with his hamstring, so we may be missing him. Um, but all I can say for certain is that that back line will stay pretty much the same, uh, but Lamptey will replace him and uh, replace Veltman. And, and who knows what happens with the rest of the team. Uh, Potter is very, very, very tough to predict. Who's the danger man for Brighton? And is there anyone from Saints that particularly scares you? I think you need to be worried about Tarek Lamptey. Um, you know, he is a dangerous, dangerous player at right wing back. Um, he is just stupidly fast. Uh, you know, I knew he was quick when you would see him track back, but last year or the summer, uh, with Project Restart, I was kind of very much aware of how quick he was when he beat Jamie Vardy in a straight sprint. Um, and if you're beating Jamie Vardy in a straight sprint, then you need to be, uh, respected for that, <laughs> for that speed. So I would say, uh, Tarek Lamptey is going to be a big worry for, for any team this year. Um, as long as he stays fit and healthy, uh, and probably Bissouma as well. Um, with your midfield being as good as they are, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm worried about James Ward-Prowse as always. Uh, I feel like I've said that the last couple of times we've spoken, um, and I will continue to be worried about James Ward-Prowse. Uh, I think he's probably the best set-piece taker in the league right now, um, and I think he is a very, very dangerous player. Uh, and, you know, I think the job of Basuma is going to be keeping him in his back pocket and he has been superb so far this year. So it's going to be an interesting battle between the two of them. Um, I think whoever wins it will probably edge the game for the, for, for either side. Score prediction. I'm going to go 2-1 to the Albion. And the only reason I'm going to say it is because I think that those 2000 fans in the stadium is going to have more and more of an effect than we think when the day comes. Um, I think it might be enough to just edge us over the line. Uh, so I'm going to say 2-1 to Brighton. Um, but like I said, it's uh, I'm not saying it with too much conviction, um, but I'm going to say 2-1 to the Albion. Last question then, Josh. Uh, would you rather have a Brighton tattoo on your face or a Crystal Palace tattoo on your ass? Well, with coronavirus, 
and COVID-19, I have been allowed to work from home ever since. So I may get away with a Brighton tattoo on my face. And I just couldn't imagine having any kind of palace anything on me anywhere. Um, so I'm going to go Brighton tattoo on my face because that's just, I just would rather have that than anything palace anywhere near me. Hi, I'm Matt Letitiae, and thank you for listening to In That Number. Welcome back to the extra time segment. Uh, we're going to start off with the predictions. Now, we've got two predictions to catch up on because we didn't do it on the last episode. So the Wolves game, I went for a 2-1 Wolves win. You went for a 2-1 Saints win. Uh, and Tim went for a Desmond 2-2. Uh, a correct result, but not the score, obviously. So two points for Tim. Well done, sure. Tim. Well done. Uh, so scores after the Wolves game, me on nine, Tim on six, and Kevin on four. Uh, and now Man United. I went 1-1. You went 2-2. So close, Kevin. Yeah. In a matter of seconds. Minute. I was yeah. thinking that. I was like, when it was 2-2, I was like, shit, someone had better score it. <laughs> because I, want, I don't want Kev to win. Thanks, mate. Priorities all in order. <laughs> no. Obviously, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't wasn't the case. But, yeah, um, very, very close anyway. Uh, and, and Tim went, well, ever the optimist, I guess, went 1-0 to Saints. Um, so, yeah, scores still the same after that then. Nine to me, six to Tim, and four to you, Kevin. So, so close. Uh, Super six, there's three rounds to catch up on because there was midweek one as well. Uh, round 14 was won by Terry Lubbock with 17 points. Big, big score. Uh, which gave the overall lead to Colin Carter on 118. Round 15 went to Tom Hennigan on 15 points. Overall, Freddie grabbed the lead back from Colin. Freddie from the ugly inside hey. on 129. Colin Carter then dropped a third. So all very close. Uh, round 16 was yesterday, of course. Michael Etheridge, nine points. Uh, and the overall, Freddie... And Bradley Lloyd have a joint lead of 113. All very, very, very close now. Um, fantasy football, Kevin. I'm on 34 points at the moment. Mm. Uh, still got a couple of Villa players uh, to come in and Arsenal as well. But, uh, yeah, in the Podcasters League, um, despite my team name change... I, I noticed. Still, yeah, languishing at the bottom. Yeah, Mitrovic uh, from Southampton Deliveries, very own Matt Markstone, still at the top provisionally. Um, and it's looking pretty much the same in our in that number podcast league. Uh, Pookie, Sensational from Stephen McCullough, and uh, Tony Rashitsky's main Saints, top three. Although, Although can, I, can I just jump in quickly? Mm-hmm. Because Mitrovic mm-hmm. has scored 41 points this week at the top of our podcasters league. Uh, and second place, Mikey, has got 31. I'm in third place and I've scored 52 points this week. Um, okay. and, and I still have um, uh, Grealish against West Ham. A couple of new entrants in the top ten that I wanted to mention. Uh, Laura Moratzing's taking the test. Um, Arthur Lomax with AJLFC. There you go. Well done. But obviously that's going to be subject to change because there's still games playing at the moment and um, a lot of game, a lot of points still to add on. So we'll we'll keep you up to date with all that. Um, yeah, it's been a while since we've done the chant uh, challenge. Mm. Um, I've got one going to the ring. Uh, Diallo, he's been playing, but he doesn't have a chant. Nope. And the, well, at the moment there's no fans in there to to shout anything, and when they're back they might not be allowed to shout anything. But then. I imagine you could pre-record it and then just bang it out through a loudspeaker or something. But um, anyway, um, I've got one to throw into the ring. And it's going to have to be a short better, one, better. seeing as that he only plays for about 20 seconds. Well, I'm, I've got a very short chant just to start us off, right? Okay, how about this? Diallo, oh, Diallo, oh, his brother's at PSG, he fucking hates Pompey. Diallo, and so on. <laughs> That's good. Are you using that as your chant? We can see if we can do better than that. Yeah, but I also want to add that you've said that P word twice now, so 20 push-ups for you this week. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that is a punishment for me. It's not for Tim. We need to read. Yeah, yeah, we do need to give him severer punishment. Okay, um, Russian phrase, Kevin? Yeah, what do you, what do you want to go with this time? 
Yeah, can we go with The Empire Strikes Back? Oh, Jesus. Okay. Or um, Cavani um, or something? Well, Cavani, unsurprisingly. Um, it's Cavani. I meant something to do with Cavani, obviously, <laughs> Kevin. Don't get smart with me. <laughs> it never switches off. Um, <laughs> uh, Imperia nanosit advietni udar. Imperia nanosit ni... Oh, God, I've lost it. Advietni udar. Imperia nanosit odvetni udar. Imperia nanosit odvetni udar. It's like a foreign language to me, Kev. <laughs> yes. It's a strike not only as in a, a punch or a, a, a military attack, but also uh, in football as well. Ah. Udar favoritum is uh, yeah, shot on target. Excellent. Okay, I think that is about it for this week. Uh Yes, so that'll be Monday the 7th of December. So until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Well, it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.